Welcome to Bleed Blue, the Swasu Athletics podcast, bringing you interviews and insights from around Southwestern Oklahoma State University. Even if you are just an alumni at that point, it doesn't matter. You still bleed blue and you always look back and see what's going on at Swasu because it is a special place. And some people, I don't think, realize how amazing it is. Beat attack mode for 90. Touchdown Bulldog. Around here, we bleed blue. Now here's your host, Haley Tucker. Welcome back, Bulldog Nation, to the newest Swasso Athletics podcast, Bleed Blue. We're here on our sixth episode of the year with our very special guest, Coach Kelsey Music. Coach, it's so good to see you. I've missed you so much. It's so good to see you, Tuck. I miss you. And like I told you before we started here, this is going to be a very in-depth. We're going to learn every part of Coach Kelsey Music today. This is what's going to go on. Ha ha. <laughs> Not a chance, Tuck. <laughs> You know, I, I know a lot about you that maybe some people don't know because, yes. you know, you are the way that your coaching style is, is very, you know, in your face, but you're also very loving as well. So can you kind of talk about that a little bit? You know, I, the one thing that we love to do here is, you know, Coach Anderson is my very best friend. And so we have a family type atmosphere. And so when we recruit um, our lady Bulldogs, we want them to join our family. We want to get to know them. We we want the very best for them. We want to see them succeed. We want to grow them and see them, you know, grow and mature from their freshman year to their senior year. And, you know, we get really close to everybody and, you know, you guys literally become part of our family. You're always our, one of our girls, one of our, our daughters. And that's just the way we do things here. And I think that, like you said, I'm, I'm a very intense coach, but at the same time, I genuinely care about you on and off the floor and want the very best for you. You can definitely see that on the court, both from you and Coach Anderson. And maybe some people don't know this, but you actually were an assistant coach for Coach Anderson at Fresno State. Can you kind of talk about that, how you got your career started there? You know, after I finished playing, I had the opportunity to to go coach at Fresno State. And I think that it allowed me to, it allowed me to learn a lot as far as, you know, initially I was the director of operations. So I learned a lot of behind the scenes things as far as budgets and travel and just organizing and planning and all those things that are super important that a lot of people don't realize that you have to do behind the scenes to make a program function and work properly. Um, and yes, Coach Anderson was one of our players and it was, it was neat. Uh, you know, I wasn't very much older than her at the time. I was, I was young and I had to learn how to, you know, separate myself and, you know, being a coach can be a lonely job, but at the same time, it's very rewarding. And so to have that opportunity to get to know her and just her personality and who she was and what she stood for, um, you know, when I got the opportunity to come to Swasu, um, you know, finding someone that was going to be loyal and um, had the same goals and beliefs as me was more important than someone with tons of experience. And it's definitely worked out for us. And you both go through experiences together, you know, not only on the basketball floor, but also you two, when I first came in, you both were pregnant. 
and it was crazy, but you know, Coach Anderson is pregnant right now. I feel like I have to ask Coach, what's going on with you? Oh, I am done. <laughs> I want no part of that. She's going to have to fly solo on this one, you know, and uh, when Maddox and Cam were born, Back in 2013, they were 11 days apart. In 2015, when Titus and Carrington were born, they were literally about one month apart. And so, of course, you know, we have built-in best friends for our children, but I apologize to her on a regular that this one is going to have to find a, find a best friend because I won't be providing it. And I don't think people understand having two pregnant coaches during a preseason <laughs> at 5 a.m., not something I would recommend, but it was awesome. I learned a lot. <laughs> but, well, it made you know, tougher. It made me a lot tougher, yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, as, as I talk about my playing days, people, people know how good of a player you were back at Cameron University. Can you talk about that? You know, you were a four-year starter there, point guard, number 12, you know. <laughs> Ripping that number. Um, you know, it, whenever I first got there, we weren't very good. And I had never been on like a losing team. And so my freshman year to be a part of that was really extremely hard. And no matter what your freshman year in college is, is just a hard thing. No, no matter how ready you think you are to leave your family or to get out there on your own, it's, it's a, it's a hard time. And I, in my opinion, in pretty much every freshman's life, and so, you know, that was a difficult time, but at the same time, it helped me learn how to, to grow, to persevere, and to, you know, be a part of a rebuild. And that's something we had to do here at Swasu was to rebuild this program and going, being able to go through that um, at some point in my life, I think, helped me to be able to persevere and stay strong and know that if you can make goals and you have a plan that you can you know, I put it into action and, you know, lucky for us, it worked out. And I always wanted to know how your coaching or how your playing style related to your coaching style now. Were you, you know, kind of a tough player? You were very, I know that you're the most competitive person on this planet. So it was, did that, was that how you were in college? I definitely was. And I was an extremely hard worker. Um, I think a lot of that came from my high school coach, um, Mrs. Gore was an extremely tough coach. And a lot of people don't get that in high school. And I had her from my seventh grade year to my senior year. And honestly, the majority of the things that I've learned came from her. I have to definitely give her a shout out. And, you know, most people couldn't have survived playing for her. But at the same time, I, I, if I could go back, I would do it all again. Um, because it, it taught me the true game of basketball. She didn't just teach us plays. She actually taught us the game. She taught us discipline and hard work and she taught us all of those those life lessons that a lot of a lot of people don't have the opportunity to learn in this day and age in my opinion so um, it was definitely worth it and those kinds of things I think carried over I was I was definitely one of the hardest workers on my basketball team I didn't ever like to get beat in a sprint I I wanted to finish first I was competitive if we were playing you know five on five I wanted to win and if I had to called out my own plays, I would, I'd figure it out because I, I, I wanted to win all the time, even if it was just a shooting game. It didn't matter. I, I was always extremely competitive. Um, I, I always trained hard in the summer to prepare myself for the preseason and seasons, and I always took pride in that. And so that was just, I think, something that's carried over. And so, you know, like 
as far as coaching goes, the one thing I've always told you guys is I will never make you do something I've never done. And I, I hold true to that. I've, I've never made any of my players do something that I've never physically done. Um, so I know that it's possible. And I, as you talk about that, I just feel the preseason death coming through me. And, you know, we've, we've always talked about that during my senior season, we continue to say our preseason is the hardest thing in the world. That's why we are so good in late March. And you talk about that a lot. So how do you, you know, prepare for a preseason, especially now during COVID? I mean, how, how are you preparing right now? You know, the one thing we had to do a little different is preseason, I think, is a lot longer, even though we're done with preseason and we're actually getting to practice. We didn't go three days a week because it's going to be such a long, a long time before we have the opportunity to play a game. I'm not trying to wear them out. On a normal, you know, non-COVID time, we run three mornings a week and, and we're lifting four days a week. We still lifted four days a week, but we only ran two days a week. And we tried to practice, a, a, you know, a little bit more when we were permitted to. Um, so those things were a little bit different. You, you know, you have to take into mind that when you have to wait months before you play a game instead of two and a half to three, uh, you know, I have to keep their minds right and their attention span and we have to continue to grow. And so, you know, we're not trying to do too much, but we're trying to do enough to where we, we still have, you know, we, we put them through that preseason. We made them get up early. We still did some of those things. We're still lifting. I think the one thing we're doing different now, we're still lifting, where sometimes when we start official practice, we, we don't have the opportunity to lift as much because you're gearing up for games. And that's one thing that we're focusing on right now is maintaining that strength that will, will you know, allow us to be able to play a lot of games in a short amount of time once we're allowed to. And, you know, this is your 12th season as the head coach at Swasu, and you've proven that your program, that your workouts, that everything does work. And so, you know, I'm going to take you back to 2012 when you had that team. You didn't know if they were going to, you know, be great like, like you kind of did with our senior season. You knew we were going to be great. Um, but they ended up winning the GAC Conference Championship. And I know you've talked about that game with me many times, but it's, it's fun to hear about. You know, it was, you know, our first two seasons here were, were hard. Our first season was really hard. And th that second season, you know, I, I probably thought they might try to fire me or something because we weren't very good still. But that third season, I just remember going to the conference tournament and we really came on in the second semester. We, we won some games, it, you know, in the first semester. We lost a couple we probably shouldn't have, in my opinion. But, you know, we got to the tournament, we were really playing well. I mean, we just we just continued to get better and better throughout the season. And we were really coming together. I had six seniors that year, and they really came on at the end. I remember the Euler twins, uh, we were about to play, I think, in the championship game. And we were in the locker room, and one of them, I think it was Mariah, but I can't remember exactly. But one of the Euler twins came up, and they said, Coach, we're about to win three games in one weekend and we only won three games our very first year. And just to be able to see that transition and their support, you know, when we made it to the Elite Eight and to, the, to that championship game, there was a handful of those girls that were on that, that first championship team in the bleachers. They, you know, they have real jobs and they're grown women now. And they took off work to spend time supporting the, the team and the you know, the program that helped build them. And I think that that speaks volumes of what we're able to do here, but they, they still bleed blue, you know, and that's kind of what it's all about.
And I think that that's the great thing about Swasu is once you get here, you fall in love and, and it's hard. You, you, you never want to forget those memories, but you're always a part of it in some form or fashion. Even if you are, are just an alumni at that point, it doesn't matter. You still bleed blue and you always look back and see what's going on at Swasu because it is a special place. And some people I don't think realize how amazing it is, but it's a really special place and it's an amazing, you know, spot to be a part of. And fast forward six years from that team to, you know, my senior season team, did you think, you know, I remember coming on my visit and telling you I wanted to win a national championship and you said, we do too. And do you do really think, you know, were we going to make it to the national championship that year? I believed it with all my heart. Um, I think going in to the initial regional tournament and when we got named the two seed, that, that just really motivated me. I've never been a super outspoken person in the simple fact, but I remember st standing in the lobby of the PCEC and I, I called what was gonna happen and it did happen uh, when we went up to Fort Hayes and I said it out loud and I, I used to not really talk about our goals out loud. I, you know, there was a point in my career when I didn't feel like we were quite, quite ready for that. But by the time we got to where, you know, like your freshman year on, I think that being able to speak things into existence was a huge part of what we did. And uh, I believed with all my heart when I tell when I tell recruits, when I told you that we would win a national championship, I believe it's going to happen. You know, we were close. We were so close. We could have tasted it. And, you know, that still haunts me to this day. But at the, the end of the day, I, I believe with all my heart that we have the capabilities here to win a national title. And it still haunts me as well, so I'm right there with you. Um, but, you know, there were some awesome memories made during that season, especially during that regional tournament. I mean, oh, yeah. talk about a little bit. What was going through your mind? You know, I have the ball during the Central Missouri game. Hayden passes it to me. I dribble. Uh, you knew I was about to make that no-look pass to Spurley. So kind of talk about what was going through your head when Taper Beer made that three-point shot. You know, I think that the great thing is, is I prepare you guys for that um, throughout the season, um, which a lot of people probably think I'm a little crazy. I don't call a lot of timeouts because I, I want you guys to learn how to grow and to be to maybe to be in maybe not the best situation, but to be able to find your way out of it, because I can't make buckets for you, but I can train you and prepare you for those moments of pressure. And I feel like that's one thing we do a good job of, you know, there we were down a lot of times throughout that season, but we, I had the confidence in not only our team, but in each of you players and our system and what we do that I knew that we would, we would prevail. And I think in that moment, I remember I, I even specifically asked you guys at that timeout right before we advanced the ball, I was like, do you guys want me to advance it? And you guys were like, no, that's not what we do coach. And I was like, all right, let's do what we do. I was like, we got to penetrate and pitch, get, you know, share the basketball, have good spacing. And it just worked out for us because the great thing is, is we knew they were going to key in on you and Hayden. Everyone knew that. But at the same time, everyone has to step up. And that's the one thing we preach is everybody has a role and it you know, might not be the leading scorer every night or maybe the best rebounder, but you have a role. And that moment exemplified what we do on a regular basis of everyone embracing their role and Spurley did what she was supposed to by making that baseline cut and it drew the defense in and yeah you could have made that pass to her but the the, the 
three was open and we, we live and die by the three point line. So I think it was just a, a perfect ending to a, a, a great story and what we do here. And, and it totally represents Swasu women's basketball to a T. Oh, exactly. Because I think Tabor was a sophomore at this point, a sophomore making one of the biggest shots probably in her career. But most people ask me all the time about our program. They say, how do you not get tired? You're, you're playing a dribble drive offense. You're also playing a full court press. And I remember the day that you and Coach Anderson came in and said, we're going to run a full court press this year. And I, <laughs> I think we looked around like, what is she talking about? So what, what inspired you guys to start that? And it works so well. I knew we had to do something different. Um, we were good the year before. We, I thought we kind of fell off in the in February, your junior year, and we weren't able to maintain that level of play that we needed to. Um, we made it to the national tournament, but making it wasn't good enough for me. And I knew it wasn't good enough for you guys. You guys wanted more and deserved more. And I knew we had to do something different. We always played fast on offense, but teams wanted to slow us down. And so if we just got back and we played 50, you know, our 50 or half court defense, then they were able to use the whole shot clock. And that's not what we do. I knew if I wanted to control the pace and con control the tempo of the game, I had to do something different. So I started watching film on some other teams that full court pressed and I implemented, you know, our chaos and we, I tweaked it to fit what we do and made it ours. And that's the one thing I feel like we always do here. You know, we, we tweak it and make it ours, even though a lot of people might run the dribble drive. Most people don't run it like us or, you know, a lot of people might full court press, but they're not running it like us. And the way we do things, it's a little different. It's a little quirky, but uh, we believe in it and, it and it definitely works. So I think the biggest thing with chaos was being able to control the tempo on both ends of the floor, not just the offensive end, but we had to really turn up the pace defensively and force the issue. I mean, we weren't always the, the fastest as all five of us. I mean, you're not the fastest player on the floor, but we put you in positions to be successful to where we could use your length. We could use your IQ, uh, you know, with Bethany back in the back. I mean, she led the league in steals as a post player. I mean, it, it was just a phenomenal thing and it worked out. And I know you all thought I was crazy, but I think now you look back and you probably appreciate it a little bit more now than you did at that at the moment when you thought you were dying. Oh, definitely. We were, you know, scoring hundreds of points and, you know, we're always in the top in the nation in scoring points. And how do you think that contributes? You know, like sometimes you would tell us, you know, we might give up a few buckets, easy buckets here and there because that's what a full court press does. But how do you think our scoring contributes to us being so good? I think it, it really sets the bar. It makes people focus so much on what we do offensively that they really don't have a t chance to focus on what we did defensively. And so no matter what, they're so worried about what we did, you know, because we can score so effectively that they didn't have time. And how do you prepare for a full court press when you've never really, if you don't do that on a regular, we, we did that on a regular, so we were able to be successful. But forcing that issue defensively allowed us to get some easy buckets and some transition buckets that that helped us and to kind of open that gap up and I always told you guys in the first half it might not show up it might not show up on the scoreboard but it's the third and the fourth quarter when you wear teams down and they don't have the legs to finish at the pace but I've trained you to have the legs to finish at that pace and that's the biggest difference and and I think it just gave us a, a, a mental edge too um, when 
you know, no matter what, when you go through a preseason that's rigorous or you do something that's a little different, it gives you a mental edge that allows you to, to be mentally tough in moments when you might not have been able to be that. And yeah, and you know, whenever my team did graduate, we graduated those four seniors and then coming back to the next year, a lot of people doubted you guys that, that you weren't going to be the same, that you weren't going to be at as high caliber scoring, but you proved them wrong. I mean, you come out of the gate, you beat D1 Tulsa. I mean, you're, you win the regular season conference tournament, you're playing in the regular tournament and then COVID hits and then, well, you go to the national tournament and then COVID hits, but kind of talk about, you know, what did you walk in and talk to the girls about? I know that had to be a difficult conversation. You know, preparing for that year, I knew that everyone would be doubting us. And I, I, I love motivation like that. I like when people try to tell me that I can't do something. I remember I've had coaches tell me or, you know, other people tell me like, hey, I, I don't know if you'll be able to make it or do this this year. And I'm like, thanks for the motivation. It's going to happen. And I love to prove people wrong. And I think, oh, sorry. <laughs> so this is why I wanted TT in there. That would not have happened with I know if you sit still for too long, this, this automatic light. So I apologize <laughs> back to seeing me. But um, I think the biggest thing was we, we initially talked about that. I, I tried to use that as motivation throughout preseason as going into the season that a lot of people were going to doubt us and wouldn't think we could be successful, you know, going into season, like you said, we beat Tulsa and, you know, most people definitely didn't think we could go beat a D1 team and then going up to Pitt State and we won both of those against two really good MIAA te teams. They were really tough contests, but they really rose to the occasion. And I think that we came together and won some games that people doubted. A few of the losses, you know, we had two losses without, we had a, a loss to Lubbock Christian without Tyra Askett. And we had a loss to Southeastern without Makaira. And, you know, they're two of our, our, our top players and you know leading scorers for the most part and so you know we were able, we had to face a little adversity as well um throughout that season but at the same time we were still able to finish and we won games when we had to and that was important and it was really impressive of those the seniors and of our returners to be able to you know at the end of the season it was a you have to win to to be a co-champion at that point and they did you know, we were down against Arkansas Tech on senior day and Tyra Aska hits that deep three and we end up winning and we were down by double digits the majority of that game. And just to see their resilience and their tenacity and their being able to face that adversity and rise to the challenge, I think was quite impressive and showed of what, what we've been able to build here. And then, you know, like you said, we made it to the national tournament and we, we had a horrible outing in the conference tournament. We played we played terrible. I mean, there's no other easy way to say it. And my players know that. But at the end of the day, we made it to the national tournament. We got that at-large bid, um, I think, hugely because of what we've been able to do at this school and the program we've been able to build. But we made it. And we were – it was probably, honestly, the best week of practice we had for the whole season. It was the best practices. We had really, I felt like, turned the corner and matured and taken that adversity of that loss, and we're about to turn it into something positive. And, you know, we get to Missouri, and we even got to practice on the floor, and then we got the call that it was over. And that was an extremely hard conversation 
because I literally had to tell them on the bus while we're driving because there's no other way. I mean, it's going to get released on social media. Everyone has their phones out. I, I had to go back there and tell them. And that was probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest conversations I've had to have with a team um, to say, hey, we don't get a chance to redeem ourselves. We don't get a chance to see if we can make a run into this national tournament. And it was extremely hard. And you know, I, I finally was able to put my words on paper and, you know, I think I made a Facebook post and they turned it into, a, you know, Cope made it into an amazing video because that's what he does. But it, it was an extremely hard and different and trying time. But I'm hoping that those seniors will take what they've been able to go through and, you know, grow and make it in life and be able to look back and realize that even though we had an abrupt ending, they had an amazing career as well. And now you get to build off of that with those returners, with Tabor Beer, with Makaira, freshman of the year, and Bethany Franks. You know, those are the ones that are on top of my head right now. But what are you looking forward to most this season? And how is the season? How are your teams looking right now? You know, I'm excited. Um, we're, we're still learning. I've got, you know, we have two transfers. We have those returners back. Um, my freshman from Lubbock is looking good. I just, we're excited to have the opportunity to actually practice, um, you know, because we did have a lot of limitations and, you know, the preseason was a little different than normal. Um, you know, obviously things on campus and everything's different with COVID, but just to have the opportunity to uh, have some normalcy when we do step on the floor is we love it. And it, like I said, it's hard to kind of keep their we have to kind of keep their attention because it's a long time before we get to play a game and, and that makes it hard too. But as far as how they're looking, I think they're really starting to understand they're learning each other and playing together. And I'm excited. I think the one thing is we don't have a deep, you know, we don't have a 15 man roster this year. We have 11, 11 players, but we have 11 really good quality players. And I think that that's the one thing that's, that's going to really be able to, to help us. You know, when, we, when we're going up and down or we're playing five on five, there's not some huge drop off. We can really compete and push each other every day in practice. And I think that that's important. And they just got to continue to learn the offense. And, you know, we'll slowly start implementing some of our defense and the different things we want to do. And every year's different. We like to make tweaks and we like to make, make some changes and to mix it up, keep people on their toes. So we're excited about, you know, the opportunity to continue practicing and getting better each and every day. And Coach, we're nearing the end of this podcast. And as you know, this podcast is Bleed Blue. So we like to ask our guests every time, why do you bleed Swasu Blue? You know, a lot of people when I got this job doubted. Um, I was young and they probably thought they were a little bit crazy for hiring a 20-something-year-old a uh, head coach. But at the end of the day, this has become home. I wanted to come back to Swasu. I wanted to be closer to my family and I wanted to be a head coach. That was an ex a, a big goal of mine, and I wanted to prove that I could do it. And um, Swasu has become home. It has become a family, and I, I love what we've been able to build here, and it has been a huge part of my life for the last, you know, 12, 12 years, and it's exciting to see where we've been but where we're going and what we've been able to do. And the one thing about it is once, like I said before, once you become a, a dog, a, you're always a dog and you, you want to bleed blue forever. And I think that that's important. And I, that's the one thing I do love about Swasu is the, the way that people embrace what we have here and how the legacy always continues.
Well, thanks so much, Coach, for joining us today. I wish I could give you a big hug, even though you hate hugs, you know. But, <laughs> but I miss you and love you. No, I'm getting better. You're getting better with them now that I'm gone, huh? Well, a little bit. I, will, I won't say a whole lot. A little bit, you know. I will hug my players. That's about it. Everyone else gets the side hug or the, the handshake. <laughs> we, we do the full embrace, and I, I hope you that know. people can see, you know, your loving side. They, they see the coach on the floor, but you are an incredible person and loving person. So I really appreciate you for coming on to our podcast today. Well, thanks. I miss you, Tuck. I miss you too. You're going to make me cry. So I'm going to do the outro now before I cry here. So thank you all for joining us on episode six of Bleed Blue, the newest Swasso Athletics podcast. We'll see you next week for our seventh episode and our next special guest. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bleed Blue, the Swasu Athletics podcast. To learn more about Bulldog Athletics, visit us on the web at www.swasuathletics.com. And as always, Go dogs! Subscribe to Bleed Blue, the Swasu Athletics Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.